Hi, I'm sitting here with the lovely Shalina. And I'm sitting here with the lovely Neka. Welcome to What's Your Safe Word? A podcast about declarations of resistance by us, Women at the Center. So, what are we drinking? We are drinking Bottega Rose Brut. There you go. Woo! I like that. That's what I I'm like drinking. that. Neko, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah, so I'm drinking Rafino Prosecco, um, sparkling wine. And I'm drinking this because it's the only alcohol I have in my house apart from brandy. And I'm not a brandy <laughs> girl. So oh, Ooh, there we go. There we go. And I'm also Amanda, drinking, I'm Sorry, also Amanda, drinking a bodega or bottega prosecco. Just not the rosé version. Okay. And I guess good. we can say that the reason we're all drinking something different is because we're in the midst of the, the pandemic still. Yep. We're in COVID-19 lockdown. So we're doing the podcast in, in our separate individual homes. And because, again, I couldn't go out to the liquor store to buy anything that sort of corresponded with what Shalina or Amanda did. So I just had to rely on what we have or what I had in the pantry. And that's why we're all doing different things today. And we're all going to have our individual buzz ratings at the end for this deliciousness that we are consuming. So today's podcast is a little bit different from what we've done in the past. And it actually might be the way we're going to be doing podcasts for the next foreseeable uh, future because of COVID-19 uh, COVID lockdown we're having to um, record this via Zoom. And because technology is a little bit temperamental, again, because everybody's on it right now, just in case the quality is a little bit dodgy, just in case you don't hear us you know, clearly all the, all the time, please, please, please understand that we are trying our best with what we have under the circumstances. So that being said, we're gonna get into it. We're going to get into a great conversation. And I'm really, really happy that you're here to, to share, share it with us. Yay. Yeah, let's yeah. start with our check-in. You want to start? Sure, I can start. <clears throat> um, I think I'll start with my mental noise. My mental noise have definitely been COVID-19. I think that uh, learning about like everything that's going on and in different parts of the world and different parts of the countries and all of that, I think it's like a very different reality to wake up to every morning. And I know mm -hmm. that like my personal disruptions in my life look very differently from other people's disruptions and, and complete chaos. And so I think just like coming to terms with, with COVID-19 and like this new kind of world that we're living in. Um, I mean, even just today I went to the grocery store and there was a like a really big line outside. And so, yes. you know, although that's like a personal disruption for me, I know a lot of people are um, losing family and friends and yep. loved ones and can't even go to funerals or can't even say goodbye to their bodies and stuff. And so I think that although like this has hit my life in a very personal day-to-day -day way, um, right now it's it's just, you know, little disruptions and stuff like that. And, but yeah, that's been like my ongoing mental noise. Mm -hmm. 
I hear you. I hear you. I, I tried to take it. Well, I did. I drove to the, the wine store and saw a line all the way around the block. I went to the metro and saw a line all the way around the block. I didn't even get out of my car. I just turned around and drove home. So I, I understand the little disruptions. My mental noise is around, um, I did an interview recently on the telly about um, the, in, the rise in instances of domestic violence and intimate partner violence. Yes. And as I was looking at the statistics over the last couple of weeks and the numbers are growing globally mm -hmm. um, about how many women who are experiencing, because of, they're locked down with their abusive partners, mm -hmm. that the violence is escalating. And the more I thought about it, the more I, I, my heart was just so heavy knowing that COVID-19, although it kills, it, it has killed and will kill a lot, a lot of people, there are women out there who, whose lives are at risk, not because of COVID-19, but because of their, their, um, their partners, and not just women, but also children. So my mental noise is beyond the virus itself uh, is the frustrations and inabilities of some people to control themselves and, and to sort of exact their anger and frustrations out on other people. So that's, that's been my mental noise. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Um, I think we can move on to success. Um, my success this week is the report that we have been working on that we've kind of, <laughs> that we've kind of talked about on um the podcast about the transformative accountability and justice initiative that we've been working on at women at the center um i'm i'm kind of like heading leading the report writing uh for the work that we've done over the past three years and so i think last week i yep handed in the first draft so i mean like it's not done we're still going to be doing weeks of editing but how many pages 265 right now and it's gonna go. yeah <laughs> so um but that's a huge success uh so that's yeah. one that i've been celebrating this week yeah i completely completely agree with you it was it's tremendous and i have to applaud you shalina for just the bloody sheer hard work that you've been plugging away and um yeah, it, it looked phenomenal. I haven't read it. We passed it over to our lovely colleague, Shirley, who's doing the first, first flush. But I, I think that's a huge success. That's a huge, huge success. It is amazing. Um, that's so amazing to hear. Yep. My success is different. I think my success, I share in it. I share in yours, Shalina. But my success is in, since the COVID-19 isolation, right, physical distancing, I have been talking to a whole heap of people, so many people. I do um, sort of executive coaching for a group of young black women, young black girls. And I have you know, nieces and nephews, et cetera, who I've been talking to, reg checking in regularly with. Today was my lovely niece, Sarah, Sarah Allen's birthday. So Sarah and I did a, a great, um, absolutely lovely FaceTime. And I think just being able to be there as a voice that people can sound off with and then not to lose my own shit, right, in, in the midst of all of it, I think is a huge success. Yeah, I think that's my success is that I, I've, I've been able to remain grounded 
and keep focused on you know what's important and and counting my blessings and stuff so that's I, I feel very successful in that yeah that is a big success I think even because we're all going through like a collective traumatic experience yeah. right now and I know for like people who have experienced trauma in the past this can actually bring up a lot of feelings and a lot of like bodily reactions and so like keeping autonomy over our bodies and allowing us to take space and time and be triggered. I think those are like very successful. Um, I agree. I agree. And I think that being that rock for people, even if they haven't said it, which I don't know if they have, I don't know if they haven't, but it means so much just like, just like speaking from like, yeah, I've had like a really hard past couple of weeks and just like knowing that I had a couple of of specific people in my life that I kind of could turn to and be Mm -hmm. like okay like you are gonna be solid for me right now because I am not and -hmm. like that is so um important so it's amazing that you can be that for so many people yeah yeah thank you lovely thank you (laughs) um Um, gratitude I okay I can go I think my gratitude is it relates back to COVID-19. My husband, Christopher, who you've all heard about, um, and you're going to meet soon, but um, he is a paramedic. And so him being on the front lines within this global pandemic and all of these things happening, I think that's been just a gratitude that uh, his region and like his work is trying to keep him safe as well as like just the hero that he is and that I've always (laughs) known him to be. And so I'm just like really grateful for him in these times. And like, although he's, you know, having to be out there all the time, he also works as like a grounding force for me here. So I'm very, very, very grateful to him. It's beautiful. And I actually I'm going to echo I'm going to echo that gratitude. Um I'm going to obviously direct it at Christopher because right from the time I met um Shalina when she was doing her placement and all the years that she's been doing this work, she talks about you incessantly. And I've we've met several times and the fact that your your name is the same as my dad's and the same as my brother's and the same as my nephew, I love Christopher's. But <laughs> in particularly my gratitude, my gratitude is is to you and all the frontline paramedics, nurses, doctors, hospital administrators who do put your lives on the line for the rest of us. And I, I don't know how the rest of us can really pay pay it forward apart from keeping our asses at home and not passing the bloody virus. But I, I am, I am really grateful to you, Christa, Christopher, for surrounding our lovely Shalina with the love and grounded force that you, you bring to her life and because she's able to then bring it to the rest of us. So my gratitude is to you too. There we go. Cheers. Totally agree. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. And all the other people keeping us afloat right? The grocery store clerks, the pharmacists. Absolutely. Yeah. Truck drivers in factories and a lot of people still on production lines. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's for sure. It's a lot. It's a lot. So we are going to have a really, really, really wonderful conversation um, where you're going to meet, you're actually going to meet Christopher 
and another lovely, lovely, lovely guest. Should I say his name now or later? You can say his name now. I can say his name now. And our lovely other guest, Matthew. So we're going to come back and have a great conversation with Shalina, Christopher and Matthew. Today, I am so, so, so excited because we're going to have a conversation with Shalina, her husband, Christopher, and their partner, um, Matthew. Um, but we're going to start with a little bit of an introduction. I said, we said at the beginning how we talk about Matthew, uh, Christopher all the time. We talk about Christopher all the time. But we are really excited because Christopher gets to talk for himself today. So <laughs> let's, let's, <laughs> let's start with an introduction, shall we? Over to you. So hi, everybody. I'm Chris, Shalina's husband. And I don't really know what she said about me because I'm not caught up yet. All so. good things. <laughs> All good things. Fair enough. Um, yeah, we, as a couple, we've been together for 14 years, coming next month. Next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we've been married almost eight. So, yeah. Wow. Where did you meet? We met at Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and who, liked, who, liked, who liked the other first? Oh, instantly when I rolled up through the drive-thru and Shalina was working, uh, this is before I'd done any shifts there. Like I'd been hired and she already worked there. Um, she started talking to me through the speaker box. And then I was instantly like intrigued and attracted, oh. I think. And then when I rolled up to the window. I was talking to, what's her name again? Miranda. Miranda, who I worked with. And I was like, Miranda, who's that? And she was like, that's Shalina, and she has a boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But, and then I think you did the same reaction, kind of. Like, you, I remember you like sticking your head out the window and seeing who Miranda was talking to. And, like, yeah. It was kind of instant, but it took a while for us to get together. Why? I had a boyfriend, and then so did he. <laughs> he had a girlfriend. And so we were just kind of like, we became really, really, really good friends. And I think that's mm. been like one of the most important foundations to our relationship is that we started out for like probably a good, I don't know, like six, eight months maybe as, as friends yeah. before we dated. And so we were really good friends. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that. And there's a, there's a moral, there's a lesson in there, which we can talk about later on. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, this, thing called polyamory and I know that there are members of our uh, listening audience who won't know what polyamory is so why don't you give us a, an explanation or a definition yeah so polyamory is split up into two words so poly means many and amory means love so it's many loves um, it's also described as ethical non-monogamy non um, so it's a decision that a couple or a, one person, a single person can make, um, to kind of live a life that's free to many loves and not just 
you're not choosing monogamy because we look mm -hmm. at monogamy as a choice and right now society looks at it as something that they're going to enforce <laughs> to comply with mm -hmm. and so we don't we don't look at it that way i think that you have to look at monogamy as a choice and we just we chose that for a long time in our relationship um because we didn't really know of another choice yeah and so what, what, i don't what do you mean you don't you didn't know of another choice so we didn't know that like polyamory existed for a really long time okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is something very different um but yeah we we had no idea polyamory was something that was an option um and i think the way that society conditions you to think and feel is very like towards monogamy and also yeah. like um like hetero uh yeah, like very heteronormative, very cisnormative, like all of those things, right? So all of those things, I think monogamy sometimes gets left out of that conversation with the fact that there are other choices. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, like when you look at like cheating or you look at those things and it's like these people have been pushed into monogamy and monogamy mm -hmm. obviously isn't working for them in whatever way. And mm -hmm. so, you know, people are taken up as, I don't know, problem partners. And I think that you have to look at like other choices and how society is kind of pushing one specific right way. And that's just not true. Hmm. So who, who I'm curious as to how that conversation actually transpired between the two of you, who was the first person that said, do you know what, honey, I don't know whether you call each other, honey. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that's horrible and corny. Not to everybody who can call their husbands or their partners, honey. That's it's entirely up to you. But it wasn't a word that I ever saw that the two of you would define. No. But anyway, who which who was the person that said this is an interesting uh, style of engaging in in our relationship? What do you think? So, if I try to answer this, it. It didn't work out like that simple. I okay. Um, so I guess I guess I have to like kind of do a little background with me first, sort of tell you guys how we got there. Right. Um, and that would be that like obviously I think is like most people from our generation that come from this area, we are raised in a society where you're conditioned to, especially as a male, to be you know, attracted to other females. Mm -hmm. uh, that's conditioned from the public and growing up and the institutions and my family. And that was just normal, right? Just growing up, like when I think back. Um, and like, if I'm, if I'm being reflective and I look back, um, I was definitely always attracted to, f to females, but I definitely think I had some like curiosities towards men. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like I suppressed that because of how I was conditioned, right? Mm -hmm. And I was always under the impression that if I was attracted to men and if I pursued that, then I'd be exclusively gay, right? Because there wasn't really anything in my life or in, uh, like, we didn't really have social media back then, but I guess, like, movies and television and whatnot that like there wasn't really bisexual people, they were just straight or gay. 
And I think we've talked about this before, right? Like by erasure and like how things happen in these binaries. And so like the gay or straight. Yeah. And I think what you said, Chris, too, is so true in that, like, I think when we did see it, it was always women. Like if, if there was somebody that was like exploring Oh, yeah. a relationship with another gender it was always a woman liking other women like you never saw men because men love that idea and they're totally right exactly terrible, right and then if, if a man likes another man it's disgusting and it's shamed shameful and whatever right mm-hmm. anyways there's so many issues with that and so sorry <laughs> and so anyway so like shalina said earlier we were together for 10 years where really we were ethically non-monogamous and yeah. sorry ethically monogamous sorry <laughs> and, you know we were a straight monogamous couple and had a great that, those first couple of years or 10 years a decade of our life was amazing and incredible and Shalina who's always identified as pansexual from like I don't know the first time we talked about sexuality um i don't know i'd say a few times of our relationship sort of brought up talking about it but just saying that oh identify as pan but like she just kind of throws it out there and Mm. like that's it it's normal right because that's how her mom sort of there was a relationship that she grew up in where they were sexual right or in a i guess a bisexual pansexual relationship I i don't know the specifics of how they identified but Anyway, so for her, it was completely normal. And so when she would throw it out there, I would just sort of instinctively be like, no, like I'm straight. But then, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while, like a thing would creep in or I'd see something that would sort of like intrigue me about like a guy or maybe an attraction mm-hmm. like that. And I think, I think, I don't know, did you pick up on it? Or? I think there was, uh, yeah. I think I picked up on some of that. So like, yeah. um well I I picked up on like the curiosity I I think I picked up on like somebody being like super open I also think that I see sexuality as very fluid so it's very hard for me to see sexuality as static so then when I was hearing that someone's sexuality was static I was like questioning that a bit and being like really is it really (laughs) yeah so yeah she just like constantly I guess kept checking in or questioning and whatever and um to be honest like the true story is that um there was this app tumblr and you may watch some things on it and anyways like from that Lena was able i don't know if she followed me like she had an account and i had an account and then she was like seeing what i was seeing and yeah. then she asked me about it and i was like oh i accidentally ended up down a rabbit hole like you know trying to (laughs) (laughs) and then that sort of opened up the the conversations into like a healthy safe space and we got talking about it more and then oh the next part I think was you that sort of did made the next move well yeah I think that like when we assume that uh, once people are married they're all of a sudden they own the other person's sexuality and it's like this well, you could only possibly be with me, right? And I think that that part needs to be disrupted. And I think that we need to think of sexuality within uh, monogamy. And so when we think of like, when we think of 
by um, bisexual people or pansexual people that get married to, you know, one gender, part of their life is gone, right? Part of their sexuality, part of their exploration is gone. And I mean, I had explored a lot with uh, different genders before I got married. And so I was comfortable kind of moving into, you know, a monogamous relationship with Chris. But once Chris kind of identified that he had, um, that he wanted to explore with men, I wasn't at all comfortable standing in the way of that exploration. And so Mm -hmm. like I wanted him to explore. I didn't want our marriage to be seen as shackles or a prison for him not to be able to kind of unearth who he could be or like the types of um, things that would work for him. Right. So I wanted to give him that space and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And I guess that's kind of how the conversation got started. I think it was both of us. I don't really know if it came down to one of us. I think that um, I've always realized and we've always kind of talked about marriage as something that we're dictating ourselves. We're not going to live in anyone's else's view of marriage we're going to build our marriage to what we see fit and to what we want to live in and so I think like understanding that people change people aren't static either right and um allowing space for that change and and not just space but like encouraging and supportive space you know like something that people don't need to feel guilt about or shame about because sexuality is so shamed in our world anyway and so I don't want to be a source of that so yeah yeah, I think that that is such a beautiful and I said at the beginning that there are sort of lessons that I'm hoping people learn through this conversation. And one of the, the top ones that's come up right now, actually, there are three that I want to um, shine a light on. Number one is about the importance of being a really good friend to your partner and, and your partner being a really good friend to you, because a good friend and then to use your words is not stand in the way not shackled does not uh, prohibit a, a good friend actually expands and opens and that I think that's what love is right then the second is about the way society views monogamy as this be all and end all where anybody who has ideas outside of it is sort of pilloried right that they are shamed they are cast out and and made to feel as if there is something wrong with them whereas the reality is that as human beings, we have the capacity for endless love, boundless love. We love many, many people over the course of our lives. And so thinking that this is the only one person I can and must love, regardless of how shitty it might be, but that, that's also a really dangerous thing to do. Yeah. And then, the, and the, yeah, and then the, the, the third thing about just being honest with each other, um, and I, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, I don't know whether it's a generational thing. I'm thinking about my generation because I, I, I could not have had this conversation with my, with my ex-husband. I don't even think I could have, I could have had this conversation with any of my, my partners. And I've only ever been with men. And I've only ever, having met you, Shalina, and the other young women in my circle, you've actually expanded my worldview. But the more I think about it, the more I realize, yeah, I, I, I am not attracted to women and that's okay. Yeah. But I, I respect other people who are, and it's not my bloody business. <laughs> not my business. As long as people are happy and we're all consenting adults. So that, that's really, really fantastic. And I love the definition of polyamory. What, what is pansexual? Because you, you dropped that a couple of times as well. And again, I know, I know what it is because you've told me, but let's tell our listeners. 
<laughs> so the way that I see pansexual is, so I guess I'll start with bisexual, right? So uh, bisexual people are attracted to males and females. And I guess why I identify as pansexual is I don't see gender as a binary. I see gender as being fluid, just like sexuality. And so I can't just be limited by male and female genders. Um, so pan actually means all, right? So mm -hmm. pansexual, it means all, all sexes. So um, yeah, I'm just not like pinning it down to two binaries. That's all. I would yeah. be very interested in like trans identity or trans identified people and things like that too. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I also, yeah, I'm very, like, I think that's, like, sapiosexual, but, like, I definitely am, like, attracted to people's, like, minds and personalities and, like... I get that. that. So, like, yeah. I also I completely think... Com Sorry, Amanda, go on. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I also think that when you were defining polyamory, and I think, like, when you talk about ethical non-monogamy, I think that's such a big part of it because I think often when people hear about poly relationships they're thinking of non-ethical examples yeah it's like that's not the example that we're trying to follow by here like we're trying to do this in a way that respects everybody in the relationship and like is actually about letting us grow and exactly like exactly just like hearing what you're talking about and how you're defining it I'm like that's like that's true love and friendship and companionship and that's that's that ethical piece is that it would if it if anyone was being hurt in the process then we wouldn't be doing this right but I think that those are the examples that we see in the media still for the most part and I think that that's what people go to and it's like well that's not what we're talking about so I think that just making that distinction was really great yeah, yeah. and, and I, I, think I love sorry Shalina sorry go on no, sorry. I think polyamory looks very different depending on who you talk to, right? So again, just like, um, like polyamory is about freedom of choice and freedom of sexuality. And I think that our polyamory can look very different than someone else's polyamory. And so it's about, you know, looking at the different kinds that are out there and seeing kind of what works for you and what you're comfortable mm -hmm. with. And it's all really, it's all on the principle of honesty and openness, as well as like, like one big thing is we we always especially in like monogamous committed relationships you're looking to one person for every everything thing right yeah. and i think what um what polyamory teaches us is like that's almost an an unbearable weight to put on someone to yeah. to someone for them to be all the perfect person the perfect person to you and give you love in every possible way and so polyamory like whichever way you take up it would and it's whatever works for you yeah yeah and i i love the the i the fact that it actually is counter to the notion of cheating <laughs> because everybody knows and everybody freely consents and everybody is part of that decision making Whereas in, in monogamous relationships where you feel the obligation to be everything to that one person and then you find that you can't because you're actually attracted to you know, whomsoever, then you're yeah. sneaking around and yeah, that, that, th this, is, this is really insightful. Christopher, <laughs> my lovely, what, what, um, what were people's reactions uh, when you've told Actually, let's let's frame it this way. 
when you when you decided to tell the, you know your family friends whoever what were you expecting to hear and what did you actually hear we were strategic about who we told first yeah yeah we definitely went to the, like the people that we were we knew that would be supportive and wouldn't care or yeah we're just like really close to us like jesse your best friend my sister yeah your yeah. sister um a few other friends family was a bit trickier um before you go there before you go there i'm interested in and when you say so you you were strategic in who you picked what was it about them that made you decide okay this is a safe person to, to speak to uh i guess like their views on like the whole concept right of not only like me and my sexuality being like different than maybe how they perceive me before and how they perceive me now um but also their perception of how they think of shalene and i in a marriage right because that was changing mm -hmm. as well it's like we have to fight two battles yeah yeah and i think that's something that's missed a lot too is first i'm very against like the coming out process i i think that we should all live in a world that has space for everybody's story and the way everybody wants to live it. Um, I think that, but living in the world that we do now and living with like the family kind of that we had or the people that were around us, we had to do two big drops. The first one was, Hey, just so you know, Chris is by. And now number two, we're in a polyamory, a polyamorous relationship. So yeah, I think it was like people that we definitely felt safe with and definitely felt comfortable with and maybe even like comfortable enough that if they were going to kind of question it, we were comfortable enough engaging in a conversation with them. Right. Right. Um, so we kind of told those people first and then we, we kind of told family last, eh? Yeah. There's I know still some friends we haven't told, but it's because we don't see them often. Yeah. Um, if you're finding out, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we really didn't know what to expect from some people. Like I know um, Chris's mom's side, we had no idea what to expect. We kind of went in quite nervous, uh, just kind of the way that we were going in with everybody, just a little apprehensive, right? Because you, well, you want to well, be naturally. powerful. Pardon? Naturally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you like, you want to be powerful in the way that you're thinking and like confident and saying like, this is a choice that we're making as a married right. couple, but you also are, yeah, a bit apprehensive to be like, what are you going to say? And his, his mom literally shocked us both. Yeah. She was incredible. Wow. She I, was, I love that. So there's, there's, there's a story there. So you, you need to take us through that journey of, where you told her, <laughs> when you told her, how she reacted. Yeah. Take us through it. It was, I think, late summer, maybe early fall. Yeah. Anyways, Matthew was in town and, you know, obviously amongst, like, sort of within our relationship, we'd been talking about and the pressure was building of, like, having to tell family and get on with it and just sort of break the news and move on with life, right? Because you can't like hide forever. You gotta be we, honest. And, we also wanted to be genuine, right? Like yeah. genuine to right. the people we loved. Right. And like, yeah. Yeah. And so 
finally, you know, I guess I built up that courage and said, okay, let's do it. And called my mom and I said, let's, let's go for like a hike. And so she's like, okay, cool. Cause that's something that we do with her every once in a while. And so her and her partner, Jim, and then the three of us, we all met up. Yes. We went for a hike around a lake (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, like we just sort of got into it right away. We introduced my mom to Matthew and then I think within a few minutes after some small talk, we just sort of told her that, yeah, like we're in a relationship with Matthew, like a polyamorous one, that like I'm bisexual, that my sexuality changed and that Shalina has been extremely supportive and encouraging and that we are basically loving life, right? like in this mm-hmm. way. And she was incredible. And she was sort of, my mom's like really into spiritual things, spiritual things and stuff like that. And she has like a good, uh, like inner, what is it? Third eye, eye, like third eye, I guess, or something for like those things. And she goes, I knew when you called me to go on this hike that it was about your sexuality. And I was like, well, all righty. <laughs> Glad you got the message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel that what? Sorry, Nika. Sorry, man. Go on. No, no. So I was just going to ask, like, I think what you're talking about, Chris, like, it's so, it's so interesting to me because it's, it's true. Like, you were kind of having to go through, like, two things at once. Like, yeah. you were having to kind of, for the first time, um, clue people into your sexuality. Because I agree, I, I don't necessarily love the idea that people have to come out. But essentially, that's what kind of had to happen in a lot of respects, especially with, like, someone as close as your mom. And then also then it's like, oh, and this. Like, I feel like, I'm like, you had, like, double-barreled uh, effects there. Like, how was that? like emotionally for you I mean like I'm just like that would be so much I feel like I would feel so much pressure to be experiencing both of those like simultaneously Uh, I think with my mom I knew that she would um be accepting and be supportive Mm -hmm. um so I wasn't didn't feel the pressure too much I guess are you feeling it with anybody else though currently right now like when you're like not just telling your family but like talking to other people because you you said that you knew oh. that she was going to be yeah, supportive yeah. anyway like my dad I was like oh god like how am I gonna tell him this right like my dad is like kind of my number one in my family that was like eh. um and then obviously like just my workplace like sort of mm. I don't know yeah. it's not a exactly a safe place at work there's so many people that i work with and the things can just spin out of control and people get the real story and so that i still haven't taken care of but eventually it'll happen and it's going to turn into its own thing and i've accepted that so yeah it just shows you the like about how people take it like about themselves Mm -hmm. yes yeah and we kind of have realized that like the way that um some family members have taken it the news it says more about them than it does about us exactly had to like we've really had to be confident in our own lives and our in our own decision making and in our own marriage like we've had to be very confident and i think that like polyamory isn't just all like wonderful hotness and a whole bunch of great sex 
it, there's also like it is that as well it is that um but there's also like you have to be the most vulnerable in your life that you've ever been and you have to be the most open and the most um like honest talking about boundaries and talking about like like you have to do a lot of internal deep uh reflexivity as well as like some introspective stuff like you really have right. to like look within yourself and see what you're actually okay with what you're not um what are your insecurities because you know what if those aren't checked or if those aren't open they're going to be blown up exactly. and so i think there's actually a lot to be said about within a relationship doing a lot of deep diving mm -hmm. not just inwards but into the other mm -hmm. person as well and so like a lot of family members or people that had issues with it you know, you saw their insecurities within their relationships and their marriages when they came mm. up with all these questions. And, you know, you had to somehow say it back to them and say, you know what, I think that's actually what you would be afraid of. Yeah. Oh, wow. What we're afraid of. We've already actually discussed that probably like two years ago, but you've been married for 25 years and you haven't got to that point yet. Mm. And so, yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot of stuff that you kind of have to go through and you really have to talk about. And it's, it's a lot of processing and it's a lot of, you know, it's a huge commitment, but yeah. Hmm. So you, you, you just, Chris, your, your mom was supportive and I'm presuming her partner was supportive. Yep. You'd, you'd indicated your sister, Shalina was supportive. Your best friend, Jesse was supportive. So what two things, what was it that they did or what did they say that um, made you feel uh the, their love and friendship was unconditional regardless of you know whatever your sexuality sexual um relationship status was what do they say to you uh well, i remember jesse when we told him he was just like okay so <laughs> what's your point yeah. <laughs> um I and then that. moved on yeah and then with my mom, she was just like, oh, I'm so happy for you guys. And she was so happy to meet Matthew. And she said, welcome to the family. And like, wow. I think just like questions, right? And like, not questions that are looked at as like an interrogation, but questions that really kind of talk about everybody's well-being. Like, I know she came to me on that hike specifically and said like, how are you? Because this is like a yeah. massive change for you, right? And so I think just being just being locked in with like that couple, I guess it comes to you or if it's a single person or a throuple or anything that comes to you, I think just being like locked in and actually if they're telling you that this is something that's making them happy, I yeah. think just believing them, right? Like you have to like believe that they're kind of being the experts of their own life and making decisions that are going to benefit them. Beautiful, beautiful. So what were the... <laughs> Uh, not so supportive, violent, to use that word, reactions that you received. So, <laughs> so we talked, we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. I think that like my family is a big um, center of violence for this. Uh, they have not at all been supportive. I think they've been quite ignorant to the issue. And I think also mm -hmm. like very scared. Like I think they're very scared for me. Um, and, and where does that fear come from? I think it comes from insecurity. 
and also like not knowing. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that fear is coming out as anger and it's coming out towards Chris. Um, I think that, I also think that (laughs) that violence comes from like a very traditional way of thinking as well as never, like not only with this issue, but, but like no other issues that they can't get off script, right? Like they can't, Mm. they can't release themselves from the status quo, from like the shackles that society does put on you. And like, Mm. I've seen that kind of all throughout my life. And so this is no different. Um, I think what was hard for us was that when we, I didn't, I wasn't expecting you. We told your family. I didn't think it was going to go this way. Well, because Shalina's no. mom previously in a relationship for 10 years with another woman. And so like after that relationship ended, she was with men again. And now she's been with the same man for a few years. But when we told them, I was, I just thought that they would understand and that. <laughs> You know, there'd be a few concerning questions, maybe surrounding like more or less like about our marriage and how we're operating within the marriage of right here. But it seems like everything is like being attacked, like my mm-hmm. sexuality included or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's as a as a child of this family, I'm so disappointed with the way that they've reacted because I can see you know other people and like we haven't talked about Matthew's family at all and I'll I'll let him talk about that but um they were so absolutely supportive and we we actually told his family first before we told Chris's and so after we told his family and like these were people that I hadn't even met like he told them before Mm -hmm. I hadn't even met them or Chris and then we told my family and my family was like the opposite and it was like wow how how can you I don't know I guess I never thought that I had the type of family that was kind of like in the news (laughs) you know what I mean like when you hear about those families that just like you know um what's that called like where they just like I don't know get rid of a child like they disown disown thank you yeah Mm. a child kind of I never thought I had that family I thought I had kind of the safety within my family Um, and I mean, my sister, 100%, my sister has probably been the absolute biggest supporter, the biggest accomplice, the biggest advocate for us. Um, so I mean, it's interesting because we both ended up pretty, you know, open to a different way of living, but the family that we came from, no. That's bizarre. That is absolutely, absolutely bizarre. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really really good segue uh, to talk about where you are now and to introduce drumroll Matthew da, 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 da. hey Hello. Matt Hello. how are you how are you Nika? I'm doing very well I'm doing very well you have to come closer because I can't hear you properly I can see you with that handsome beard going on so uh, isolation beard. <laughs> <laughs> isolation, isolation, handsome beard going on. So how how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, good, I'm happy. Good. I get to be with my two partners, and yeah, it's 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 been a great time. 
I don't know how I would be surviving by myself. (laughs) That would have sucked. That would have sucked if you were, can you imagine? Alone by myself, it would be like prison. Like alone in a bachelor apartment, not allowed to leave. Mm. No, that's not happening. So I'm glad you're here. And then we wouldn't have had this wonderful conversation, or we would have, but it just would have been different. Yes. So how how have you how have you felt listening to the conversation? First of all, do you do you agree with Shalina's definition of polyamory? Right? Yeah. Is there something you'd like to add? Uh, I I agree, especially with the point that everyone creates their own. Mm idea of polyamory both inside and outside of the polyamorous world so there are people outside of the polyamorous world that will throw a label on polyamory and like slut shame and they think it's purely sexual or they think it's polygamy and it's not that um i do think that the base of polyamory is having multiple loves and being able to open your heart to multiple people and so that part i do agree with but I also agree that it's, it's entirely up to the individual who wants to practice polyamory. So whether you want to have two lovers and only two lovers, and that's your limit, then that's your version of polyamory. If you want to have 27 lovers and all of them are happy and they will make you very happy, then that's your version of polyamory. So I love I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for just... Everyone, everyone, yeah, choice. That's freedom. Freedom of exactly. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely, absolutely love that. And and so in terms of your your sexuality, have you always known where you stood? So okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the big question. It is. It is because I'm drinking prosecco. Hard question. Uh, so I came out uh, to my mom when I was 17 and as gay. And I realized like, well, I realized actually probably six years ago that that was a mislabeling on myself. Mm -hmm. I have always found women attractive and I've always been attracted to women. And then I, started to have these feelings towards men and started to realize that I had these feelings towards men. And much like Chris said, I saw in the media that you were either gay or straight. There was no in the middle. And so my brother was also gay and we bonded through him telling me that he was gay. And I also in that process, realized that I had these feelings for men. And so I was like, I must be gay as well. So then I came out as gay, but then about four years after that, and throughout those four years, I struggled a little bit because I only dated men and there were women in my life that I was interested in, but I was like, but you're gay. So like that wouldn't work. And so I never pursued it. And then, after that four year mark, I met people that were bisexual. And I was like, how does that work? What are you talking about? (laughs) And it wasn't that I was like close-minded to the idea of bisexuality. It was just that like, it was regimented in my brain that no, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. And, Mm -hmm. um, And then I was like, well, 
I'm, I'm not going to put that label on myself anymore. I still told people that I was gay because it was easier than saying, I am a pansexual man. And pansexuality Mm -hmm. to me wasn't, I didn't even know what pansexuality was at the time, but I was, I was definitely attracted to many different people, different genders, sexes. And I was, I was confused by it. So (laughs) for me, it was easier to just tell people that I was gay but that I had an attraction for feminine qualities or female qualities. And, and then about two years ago, I started to like open it up even further. And then I started to tell people, I think I'm like more on the bisexual end of the spectrum. Um, but it wasn't until I actually met Chris and Shalina that I started to like, be like, you know what? I (laughs) am like, I'm attracted to this woman. And it's not just like a, it was like a gradual thing, but I'm I'm not just like wanting to have just a romantic relationship. I am like sexually attracted to this woman. And Mm -hmm. so I, yeah, I I found out that I'm more, I am pansexual and I am on the spectrum. I'm not just gay. So that's been quite a journey for me. <laughs> I love that. And that's life. And that's life. life. And exactly. It is. And, and, and the, the whole conversation at the beginning around, um, Shalina, you talked about it being introspective, right? Going into yourself mm-hmm. and having a relationship with yourself in order to, to have an, an honest, uh, meaningful and open relationship with anybody else. Matthew, how has it been sort of coming into... A, a couple, right? Because these two, as you said, we've said they've been together for 14 years. Yeah. 14 years! <laughs> how yeah, I was going to ask how, if you guys wanted to talk about, like, how you met, how it started even, too. Like, just to, like, give people a, mm. a sense of how the three of you I mean, came to be. I mean, I'm comfortable talking <laughs> about how we met, but I don't know if, if these two are comfortable talking about how we met. Of course you asked that. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, you could also do it very, very generally. We don't have to give specifics at all, but just I think people will want to know how the three of you wow. all of a sudden became the three of you. Well, so, yeah. Are we comfortable doing it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, okay. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, there's this place in Toronto called Oasis Aqua Lounge. And what it is, is like a it's a sex club. Yeah. It's a sex club. <laughs> Say that. It's where single people and couples go to find other people yeah. to have sex with or Cons- even start up relationships. Yeah. And so consenting Chris- adults. It's also a place where you can just go and enjoy the pool. And enjoy the, the pool. Hot tub, yeah. Or the sauna. Something. Yeah. Watch some shows. You don't have to have sex. Yeah. And so we were kind of there, Chris and I. And we were, this was like within our exploring time. Mm-hmm. And then this, we, uh, we went into, what is it called, that room? The, the theater room. The theater room. And there was somebody on stage doing a burlesque performance. Mm-hmm. And it... Boylesque performance. And it turned out to be Matthew. Yes. And so we AKA were... A.K.A. Tucker. <laughs> yeah. So we were kind of in the front row. And I could tell that Chris was looking at Matthew and Matthew was for sure looking at Chris. 
And I was like, oh, this is like, okay, cool. And so anyway, whatever, we moved on with our night. And then we went to go upstairs and upstairs, you have to be with a couple. Like they're just, uh, that's just a rule. And uh, Matthew was at the top of the stairs trying to go upstairs. And there was somebody telling him, no, like you need to be a part of a couple to come up here, which that's a whole other problematic issue and whatever. And then um, anyway, so we were coming up the stairs at that time. And I was like, oh, he's with us. And yeah, and like vo- literally, I'm standing at the top of the stairs arguing with the security guard, being like, "Oh no, do you know who I am? Like, I perform here regularly. I'm just a fan. Wanted to say hi, and they're upstairs. They told me they were upstairs. And then, as I'm like explaining all of this, like he says, "Oh, you have to be in a couple. I'm, I can't let you up." And Shalina pokes her head out from behind me, and she's like, "Oh, he's with us." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm with them." And then we all went upstairs. And then I just I sat down with Shalina for the next, like, three hours and had mm-hmm. the most, like, awesome conversation. Yeah. So all, that's... All while Chris was... So that's how we met. Having fun. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what, that's, so that's how we good. met. Yes. I don't know what the other question was. Yeah, not The other question was, Sorry. the question was, how, how has it been for you, Matthew, yeah. coming into a couple that's had such a strong... Um, identity as a couple how's it been for you um there have been challenges but uh for the most part we've it's it's been it's been fairly seamless um Mm. when shalina shalina has talked with me about this before and we so when we first started dating as i said i was telling people that I was a gay man and it was just Mm -hmm. easier to say that Mm -hmm. um and so I had told them I'm gay and yada yada and then they seemed to still like me and (laughs) want to hang out with me so I was like yay they like me and then I noticed that Chris was coming on to me and um and I liked the attention and, and uh, then, no, you liked me. I did like Christopher. Yes, but I, in in my heteronormative mind, because I'm new to polyamory, in my head, uh, not not heteronormative, my Monogamous. monogamy normative mindset, mm-hmm. I realized. Well, I didn't realize it till later, but in that moment, I was saying to myself, they're married. Like, I don't, this is not going to work. Like, Mm. I'm attracted to him. He's attracted to me, but like, no, this can't happen. And then they, but they kept like, like coming on. Like, blocking you sort of? Yeah. Like, at first, that first night when I met them, that first night when I met them, it was very, I felt, I, I was mentally blocked. And then after that night, we exchanged numbers. We had we hung out for the rest of the night. It was like six hours mm-hmm. that wow. we've been together, and uh, and they invited me to come with them after we after the bar closed. And I was like, oh, I can't. I have a dance rehearsal in the morning. Like, I I really want to get to know you guys better. Here's my phone number. Like, let's keep in touch. And then we went our separate ways. And I honestly thought that was gonna be it. I was like these guys are great. I had one of the best nights of my life. Like, this is Mm. so good. And that was great. And then I get a text the next day. No, you texted me. And then 
Did I text you? Yeah, because you said I. I that's right. I did. I did. I messaged you, but I, again, it was like a, I, I messaged you, and I was like, I enjoyed meeting your handsome mug, but it wasn't expected to go anywhere. It was like a yay, and then, um, yeah, and then I, over the next month, I realized that Shalina was. Well, I, I actually asked you. I asked for Shalina's permission to date Chris, to go on a date with Chris. And Shalina immediately, almost immediately, was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. And then these, she said, these are my rules. These are what I would want out of it. And me and Chris went on a date. And then ever since then, the three of us have been together. Because like even mm-hmm. that first date, Shalina joined us after. And yeah, we haven't really been apart ever since. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Shalina had, had uh, mentioned about how your family was so incredibly supportive. How has it been for you um, when you haven't received the same type of support from other people in the community? Mm. I'm talking to Matthew now. Oh. Um, I am very fortunate that I have been surrounding myself with queer individuals who generally are very understanding of these types of relationships. And Mm -hmm. so I haven't been met with a lot of negativity or backlash or any, um, anyone that really doesn't understand. Like every time I've told someone, they're like, oh, that's so cool, yay, and that's it. And it's not a, there's never been a, why? Why would you do that? No, that's wrong. There's, I've, I haven't been met with that. Yeah, but I, I, was, I was asking more in terms of like, the early part of the conversation, there was a, the, the, the bit around family members who have not been so receptive. How has it impacted you? Uh, Shalina's family is the only one that hasn't really been. Yeah. And they, it was, it was confusing to me because when I met Shalina's mom, we had a discussion and the discussion was met with a little bit of hesitation, but then at the end of the conversation, she seemed to come around Mm -hmm. and she actually came up to me and like, gave me a hug and whispered in my ear, I feel like I'm gaining a son. And then she made a joke to Shalina saying, maybe this new son will come to my birthday next year. And it was like, oh, we weren't able to make it. They weren't able to make it this year. Um, (laughs) And then, so I took it as like, wow, this is going so well. This is not what we expected. The next day we learned about all this backlash. And I was like, oh and then it just has continued to spiral and in all honesty when I before we told your mother I was I was worried to bump into her in town I was worried Mm. about like what would happen if me and Shalina were out and she would see me like grab her hand or like rub her shoulder or something like I would be affectionate Mm. with you because I'm a very affectionate person and um so that was a worry and now even now I worry that she's going to do something rash and she's going to do something mm-hmm. so crazy, so mm-hmm. out there that like, it's 
going to, I mean, she's already threatened us. So I'm just worried that something's going to happen, that she's going to find a way to try to rip us apart. And that's, well, I, I'm, 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 so part of why we're talking about this, right, is to let the people, our listeners know that um, this happens and not just about education, but also about strategies to, to handle, right? What do you do if you're met with? And, and for people who somebody comes out to you or comes and discloses to you, what's the most supportive, loving, kind, and compassionate way to respond? Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I was saying this to asking Matthew, because I know from all the years I've known Shalina and what she's talked talk to us about her relationship with Christopher, is that they have a very open, they talk about everything, right? They, 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 nothing is hidden and they're very open. And so I was, what I'm seeing is that there is that connection with the three of you. So no matter what's happening outside, no matter you know, whether people accept or people don't accept, whether they're supportive or they're violent, the three of you have this very open, expansive space where you hold each other. Right. And I think that that's what's really foundational. <laughs> Christopher's nodding. And, OK, yeah. that's really foundational. What I want to ask now is around sort of community resources. What else is out there for for people who might find themselves in it with family members, friends, colleagues who don't understand? Number one, what are the resources for people to get information about polyamory? And then what are the resources, if you know of any? that people can use to sort of prep themselves? Okay, so first off, can I just say that I think you have to be prepared to protect yourself from the people that aren't maybe going to accept it. And you might have to put up those barriers to keep yourself safe, right? And you may Mm -hmm. have to... Yeah, I think like really understanding boundaries and understanding accountability and understanding that... um, these are external issues, not internal ones. And so I think looking up those things uh, would, would definitely be a help. I think what also, like what's existing out there right now is, I know Chris and I listened to Turn Me On podcast. Um, Say it again. Turn, Turn Me, Me on, on podcast. It's a Canadian podcast of this. Yeah, and it's two, it's a married couple and they are living polyamory a bit different than us. Uh, so we we ascribe to a thruple uh, kind of situation and uh, they date outside separately. So it's a bit different, but yeah, that's called turn me on. And that's kind of what, um, like what introduced Chris and I to polyamory. And then there's also some amazing books. Uh, One is called the ethical slut. Uh, The other was called stories from the polycule. And so I found those to be really, really helpful because I think what lacks so much is representation, right? And so as soon as you lose that representation, like whether it be about polyamory, polyamorous relationships, or whether it be about queer identities or bi identities or trans identities, it's, it's the representation that counts. So uh, those two books are really, really good. Uh, There's a television show on Crave called Polyamory Married and Dating. There's also um, season one's. There's also one uh, called The L Word. And so they actually have polyamorous relationships on that as well. And they're queer, so it's like even better. (laughs) Um, 
And then Esther Perel, she is like a relationship. I just want to mention her. I love her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she has like, um, she has a, she's been on a couple podcasts and she talks about relationships and she talks about how, um, how monogamous, how monogamy is a choice and how the reliance on the one person and stuff like that. So just her, the, the, her research and what she talks about really helps you kind of understand like where this pull is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like if you're in the Toronto area, which is like really all we know about, um, there are munches, which is what they're called, which are for like poly practicing people. Well, There's also be munches for all types of <clears throat> relationships and sexual interests. And yeah. It's a whole wide world that exists that is a sort of maybe underground and not, maybe known about unless you're in the community. Mm, Yeah. And then there's also uh, Oasis. Oasis has polyamory nights. And so um, those are kind of the things that we used. I don't really know if I know of any like help resources because poly relationships are still very like, I I mean, underground, what Chris just said. And so I think even finding like... I think because people are just tired of like, they don't want to put up that fight of constantly explaining it and explaining Reasoning why they live that lifestyle because you know because everyone you, you meet so much resistance in the community right well i think it's just the same as like what queer relationships went through what inner relation interracial relationships went through right so i think polyamorous relationships are at that point in time where there's a lot of people doing it there's just not a, a bunch of society accepting it right, right, so right i think right. like little by little we have to make those spaces to accept them so even if you're listening to this podcast um, I think just, and we've talked about being a first responder and we've talked about if, if you are a person and somebody comes to you with this information or with these change of relationships, be open, be, yeah. be somebody that they would come to again, you know, don't let their engagement with you navigate their relationship from that, like in a bad way after yeah. with you. So, yeah. yeah. My, my thing is. I say it all the time. Um, it's nobody's business. What <laughs> it isn't. It really, it really isn't. And and I I I would hope that if any of my children or my nieces or my you know anybody came to me as a consenting adult and said this is what I want uh, within reason you know don't bring animals into it please because <laughs> right? that that's that's another conversation. But consenting adults, it's none of my business. I'm not paying your mortgage. I am not, you know, it's none of my business. And my my hope, and this is now to our listeners, is that we're here to support people grow in love. And if people find other people who love them unconditionally and support them, and it's you know reciprocal, we should be celebrating that. We really, really should be celebrating that. And so I am profoundly grateful, profoundly grateful to Christopher and Matthew for, it's beyond courage, right? For your willingness to come and be vulnerable, you know, on this podcast and and let our listeners in. And Matthew is playing with Christopher's ear, right? And rubbing (laughs) Shalina's shoulders. But I'm so grateful that for the three of you for being so open and letting us and the view of the listeners into your your family, 
into your life and to educate us. And I want to do a toast with what's left of my Prosecco. <laughs> Say many, many, many years of thruple happiness for the two of you. <laughs> cheers. 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 And I think that's a really good <laughs> segue. Yeah. Everybody. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Uh, please. Also, I get to be a unicorn, and that's just awesome. Oh my gosh. So, what did he say? I get to be a unicorn. NECA. Like, I'm a living, okay. breathing unicorn. I'm so. <laughs> I, I want to have you all on again so much because I'm like, I think we just like touch the surface yeah. and I'm like oh I want more but um I am so like just echoing what NECA said I'm so thankful um especially to Chris and Matthew like no offense Shalina um, but I just like Shalina shares with us all the time and I think it's something to come into a room even though you both know us like to come into a space where you're not as comfortable like and to be so vulnerable like that's pretty amazing and I I think obviously that if that it goes to Shalina too I think Shalina is just more vulnerable with all us all the time so she's used to it a bit <laughs> but Thanks. I think for both of you it's like you just came on here and uh told us a whole lot of uh your really personal lives and like you didn't have to like even just to NECA and I you didn't have to but you're also the three of you are now also sharing that with a lot of other people so I'm so thankful to all three of you yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. And I think I just want to say, Matthew mentioned a unicorn. And I think that's another term uh, because we talked about terms, definitions earlier. And so a unicorn, Matthew, do you want to say what you So a unicorn is when you have an already established couple and the unicorn is the third person to enter into the relationship to make the polyamory so that mm -hmm. is what makes the thruple and that's yeah so i get I to be that. i'm like <laughs> i love that i love that well that is a beautiful segue uh Shalina, into our checkout question yeah it is so because you two are new matthew and christopher um we do a checkout question plus we also do a buzz rating um, so it's a little different today because we're all drinking different wines because we're all in different houses, yep. but we, shall we do the buzz rating first? Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, I need to calculate. I always forget that I have to calculate it. <laughs> we don't really have an, I guess I can calculate the three of your averages for one, but NECA and I will just have our own rating. I'm going to bring yeah. down the average. Uh, <laughs> Okay, he's our NECA for today at this house. <laughs> okay, go do it, go do it, Christopher. Okay, so yeah, the three of you go first. So this is a solid two for me. A two? Out of what? Oh, out, out of five. five. It's okay. out of five. Um, Matthew, what, what are you? Mm, I think it's a three. I would okay. also say like a two and a half. Oh. What? Oh. Yeah. What was it's it that you were drinking? It's a bit dry for my liking, actually. It's Otega a Rosé. Yeah. But it's it's definitely dry. <laughs> it is dry. Rose is, okay. Yeah. Rose is, uh, <laughs> okay. Want to go next? My my rating is a two. Um, I'm drinking <laughs> this because it's the last. It's the only alcohol, as I said, in my house. So you know what? Because it's, I'm giving it a three. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny 
That's true. Amanda, what about you? Um, I would give mine a 3.5. I can also ask Zach later. Zach had a glass with me before we started. So I'll get his rating to average it out. But I would say 3.5. All right. Okay. Very good. So I think on average, we're looking at a three. I'm oh, thinking. We're looking at a three overall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, so check out question, Shalina. Checkout question. So I never tell anybody what my checkout question is, so I can always pounce with it. Uh, I had a really good laugh uh, listening to last uh, the last podcast that we did, the adventure question, and everyone's like, ah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, but this one is just because we kind of are reestablishing dynamics, right? And, and also, also like status quo, like trying to break them down. So I just kind of want to ask a question that gets to everybody's different answers. So the question is, what does home mean to you? Ooh. Oh, I love that question. Ooh. So you two also have to answer. <laughs> I, I, I think we should let our, our guests go first. Perfect. I Chris, love it. Go ahead. <laughs> If you're ready to, we want to make a welcome and accommodating space. Like, but you should. <laughs> okay. Well, the first thing that popped into my head was like being in the mountains, like hiking. Okay. Like with you. Okay. And, like friends, and like yeah, like that's where I feel energized and at peace, and I guess like at home. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Matthew. Home for me is uh, being around people that I trust and love and just like not having to worry. Like there's, mm. you always know that the people have your back and that you're in a safe space. Mm-hmm. And mm. usually you can find cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> oh I love God. that. <laughs> I love uh, that. <laughs> do you want me to go next? Uh, sure. Um, so I guess home for me has changed. Home for me has changed. Uh, mm. I think when I was younger, home for me was my mom because I had like super separation anxiety issues. Um, and then as I grew older and like fell in love with Chris and then we lived together, home to me was always Chris home to me. Like we go all around the world and Chris is, as long as I'm with Chris, I'm, I'm home. Mm. Now it's taking like a different turn. And also like, I think it's people no, it's, that. It's this guy. <laughs> yeah. This is all that matters now. Axel, <laughs> Axel, my cat is 100% everything that is home to me. Uh, he is, he is literally my home he's the only thing i miss only thing i miss we can be gone for two months and all i miss is axel so no, not me excuse me <laughs> no, no, it's not about not. you amanda <laughs> as kara would say right? it's not yeah. about us okay it's not about us <laughs> yeah people right like things yeah. that make you feel whatever so like chris newly matthew axel always axel always will be my love if i could take him around the world i would Oh, I love that. I love that. Amanda, what about you? Yeah, it's so I'm like, I feel like my answer is already set in a lot of ways. I guess like the first, I had like a couple words pop into my head. And the first one was Zach, like Zach was the very first word that popped in my head was like, Oh, Zach, mm. at home. 
And then I also thought of the word safe, which you also mentioned, Matthew, like home to me is safe. And then the next thing I thought was boo, so, which is my <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, like I think that it's kind of a lot of what's been said, but I think home for me isn't necessarily a specific place, whereas it definitely used to be like Milton and my mom, like that was very much home yeah. for me as well. Um, so I thought similar to that too, Shalina, but I think home for me now is the space where I feel I can be the like most honest version of myself and feel safe in that and for me that is Zach and Boo. <laughs> mm, I love that. I, I completely echo what everybody said um, and I love what you just said Amanda about it's not home is not a physical it's not a house it isn't a physical location it's about a feeling that you have right um, yeah. and so home is yeah that's that's a great one <laughs> everybody said it it's everybody said it it's it's a safe place it's about people who love you yeah i think home is love that's what i'm gonna say uh, yeah. home, home home is love home is where i am able to love and be loved and feel loved and it actually segues back to this conversation we've been having right because you are all home in the love that you're 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 sharing and this has been fantastic. This mm -hmm. has been an absolutely, absolutely beautiful conversation. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening, for tuning in. Um, I'm hoping that the quality of the podcast <laughs> is bearable. And we, we will see and speak to you again soon. Before, so, before we go, remember we have a Patreon. I'm going to keep plugging it. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need sponsorships and yeah. more now than ever and yes, so indeed. yeah yeah just check out our patreon it's going to be linked in the description of the podcast and we're also going to put all of the resources that shalina and chris and matthew mentioned earlier we're going to try to list in the description as well that way they're of there and you can check them out for yourself whenever you feel you can um Beautiful. Yeah. If, you have, if you have any questions uh email us at podcast at women of the center dot com and we will talk to you all next time. Next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.